Can podcasting help training and education? Well, here at Code for Thought we want to give it a shot. So a very warm welcome to Code for Thought Bite-Sized, our new series of short podcast recordings on a range of areas specific to research software engineering. This podcast series aims to augment the new in-person bite-sized RSE sessions that started this month, October 2022, here in the UK. These one-hour-long interactive sessions were created as part of the Universe HPC project to better understand and address the training needs of the research software community, and in particular with a focus on developing pathways and a curriculum to support the development of specialist high-performance computing and exascale skills. Universe HPC is a UK-based collaboration between the Universities of Edinburgh, Oxford, Southampton, as well as the Imperial College in London. We aim to publish these Code for Thought bite-sized episodes on or shortly after these interactive sessions in future. And in this, our first session, we want to talk about licensing, an important but very often overlooked subject in software engineering. Licensing, of course, has legal connotations, so we need to start this with a disclaimer. Neither the presenter nor collaborators on this episode are legal professionals, experts or had any legal training. We're not here to give legal advice, but to discuss licensing based on our understanding and experience as research software engineers. As such, we may get it wrong, and if you're in doubt, you should ask for legal advice provided by legal professionals. Well, we've got this one out of the way, and now on with the show. What are we going to cover with this episode? We'll be looking at four key aspects. The first, why should you have some idea about software licensing at all? Why does it matter that you're aware of at least the basics in this area? Secondly, what are the different types of open source license? We'll then look briefly at open licensing for non-code artifacts, such as blog posts, documentation, and so on. And finally, we'll look at how you can add a license to your code or other open content, highlighting a series of links that are available in the episode notes. So, let's get started. Why should you have some idea about it? As research becomes ever more computational in nature, the need for software and associated infrastructure is growing rapidly, as you know. While the number of professional research software engineering roles available is also growing, researchers still write code themselves, and it's unlikely that this will change in the near future. Indeed, to support increasingly complex research workflows and undertake the advanced analysis that underpin research outputs, more and more researchers are finding themselves writing code and releasing it to the world. This may be because funding rules require that outputs of a project are made public, or it may simply be because researchers want to contribute back to the wider community. Well, whatever the reason, understanding the options available to you and the pitfalls to avoid when making code available is more important than ever. Software licenses have, of course, been around for many decades. Many of us will be familiar with the licenses that we are asked to read as part of the installation process when installing pieces of commercial software. And that we need to agree to if we wish to complete the installation process and use the software. While these licenses are generally significantly different in content from the open source licenses we'll be talking about here, the general principles are still the same. 
Software licenses represent an agreement between the provider and the user of a piece of software about the conditions under which the software may be used, including any restrictions in what the user may be able to do with the software itself, and any software artifacts that may be provided in compiled binary or indeed source code format. So, let's say you've written some code in a personal capacity. Surely you may think that since I've written it, it's for me to decide what others can do with it. If you're happy to make it publicly available and you put it up somewhere where others can gain public access to it, they can take it and do whatever they like with it, right? Well, actually, no. Without any explicit declaration of what can be done with some publicly accessible code, there's no way another entity or person can know what you're happy for them to do with it, under what circumstances. Instead, as a general rule, in the absence of any license agreements or other such statement of ownership and details of rights given to others with the access to the code, the copyright of code that you create is held by you and you alone. There are restrictions on what others can do with the code, even if you make it publicly accessible. Of course, it's likely that things will be slightly more complex. For example, consider an individual producing code as part of their job who will almost certainly have some agreement in place with their employer about who owns the copyright on code that they produce in the course of their work. Without a license, while another party may be able to download your code, they won't be able to redistribute it to others, extend or modify it, or do a range of other things. If you're intending for your code to be used by others as a software library, for example, this makes things quite frankly impractical. The reality is that if your code is published without any license, it's likely that others won't make use of it, even if you want them to. Another important aspect of a license is that it can also define protections for the provider of the software, maybe detailing the warranty offered to the user of the software, for example, or perhaps disclaiming the provision of any warranty at all. Licensees may also define what the licensed software can be used for and protect the licensor against improper use of the software that results in a negative outcome for the user, the licensee or others. Such protections can be important in the context of research software. While there are many different licenses, the focus of this podcast episode is open source licensing. Licenses for code that you want to make publicly available through an online open source repository platform, such as the widely used GitHub or GitLab. You could, of course, distribute your source code yourself, either on request or perhaps by making it available as a zip file for download on a website or similar. However, as you've probably heard, there are a huge number of benefits to using a source code management platform such as GitHub. And while the core open source licensing basics apply regardless of how code is distributed, this podcast focuses on the use case of releasing code through a platform such as GitHub. So if you've decided that adding an open source license to your code that you're planning to make publicly available online is a good idea, the next question of course is which license? Because there are so many different types of open source licenses out there. Some are widely used, others are less widely used, some are completely generic and used with millions of open source software projects. 
Some have general elements alongside customizations to make them specific to a given piece of software. Some, of course, are entirely bespoke. And if you've ever looked at this space before and been completely lost, I can safely say you're not alone. However, behind the huge array of different open source licenses, there are, in general, three broad groups of open source licenses that exist. These are non-permissive or copyleft licenses, permissive licenses and public domain licenses. Copyleft licenses are the more restrictive from a licensee perspective of the available types of open source license. They're designed to maintain the free and open source nature of code released under them. GPL, the new general public license, and a number of associated licenses are the best known copyleft licenses. In addition to providing protections, such as stating that no form of warranty is provided with the code under any circumstances, and that the authors are not liable for claims, damages, etc. in relation to any use of the provided code, the key point of such licenses is that they require that any modified or derived code must also be released under the same license. This ensures that any code based on GPL licensed code will remain under a GPL license, ensuring the long-term free nature of the code. As the name suggests, permissive licenses, common examples being the MIT or BSD license, are rather more flexible. They generally provide protection to the licensor, again stating that no warranty is provided for the code and that the authors accept no liability in relation to any use of the provided code. Aside from this, the licensee is effectively granted permission to take the code and do whatever they want with it. This includes building the code into commercial products, for example, as well as being able to use, modify and redistribute it, as long as the original copyright notice is retained on any copies or derivatives. The third type of license, the public domain license, is the most permissive. It is used for software, although perhaps less commonly so than the other license types we've highlighted because default copyright exists for any code without a license. If you want to give something that you've produced away entirely into the public domain and disclaim all ownership of it, this needs to be stated somehow. You could simply add a statement that you disclaim all rights to something and release it into the public domain, a form of license in itself. However, there are still potential issues around warranty and liability. So a public domain license generally combines a statement of protection for the licensor alongside a statement that the code is being released completely into the public domain. The unlicense is a great example of a public domain license that is specific to software. The more general and widely used Creative Commons Zero license is applicable to a wide variety of works and is used for non-code artifacts. Which type of license you choose and the specific version of that type of license that you select may depend on a number of factors. These could, for example, include the existing license of any code you're working with or developing your project from, funder requirements, institutional, organizational requirements and so forth. Things can get particularly complicated when you're writing code that makes use of a number of third-party software libraries, each of which having their own licenses. 
In such cases, the licenses of the libraries you use may affect the flexibility that you have to select a particular license for your own code. This can be further complicated by the exact approach that you use when working with third-party code and how you package it up, release and distribute it. In such cases, if you are unclear on the situation, it is important to investigate things and seek advice when necessary. Universities and research organizations are increasingly providing guidance to help researchers and research software engineers address these types of challenges and pick a suitable license. So do look out for any guidance offered by your organizations or any contacts you may be able to speak to for assistance. Open source software licenses generally require that the original license and copyright notice are included with any derivatives or copies of the code. This highlights the original copyright holder and may also act as a form of attribution. So, we've now heard about some of the general types of open source software licenses that are out there. But what if you have other types of related materials that you want to release openly while ensuring that you retain the important protections that a license offers? For example, maybe you're writing a blog post about your software or your research project. Maybe you have some standalone documentation available for download or published online. Or maybe you're writing some form of technical tutorial or a presentation. Aside from the protections afforded by licenses that we've already talked about, researchers and RSEs frequently want to ensure that they're recognized for their outputs. This is often because career progression in the academic space can require individuals to build up a reputation based on their outputs and activities. Making something publicly available and even allowing others to take it and modify it doesn't mean that you can't be recognized as the original author. Which brings us to the Creative Commons suit of licenses. There are one example of an open license that provides a range of different options that allow open source licensing of non-code artifacts. There are a range of licenses that provide for different combinations of requirements and offer different rights to the user of the licensed materials. For example, the CC-BY range of licenses requires that attribution is provided to the original author. Additional versions of CC-BY include restrictions such as only using the materials for non-commercial purposes and a share-like requirement that derivatives must be released under the same license. As mentioned earlier, there's also a CZ0 public domain Creative Commons license. Well, it's quite a big subject and we don't really have the time to delve further into the details of the suit of Creative Commons licenses in this short podcast episode, but a link is provided in the notes. We're now getting to the end of this episode. I hope by now you understand why a license is important for your open source software and maybe you already picked one. But how do you actually add it to your code? The current convention is that you create a file called license with the American spelling and all capitalized. You should place this file in the root directory of your software repository because this ensures that the license text sits alongside your code and when copies of the code are distributed, the license is always present. However, you may also see projects where the license text is placed at the top of every file, and in some cases, this is a very specific requirement. However, many projects simply stick 
to providing a single license file in the root directory of a repository if no other guidance is provided on the license usage. One challenge in such a situation is, if a single source file from your project gets separated from the project and used independently. If no license text is present at the top of the file, this will make it difficult or impossible to know where the file has come from or under what license it's made available. An alternative to placing the entire license text at the top of every source file in your repository is to place a short comment at the top of each source file with a copyright statement and type of license that applies along with a link pointing the user to the project's top-level license file. And finally, one other point to note here. If you host your software project on GitHub and you place a license file in your repository, GitHub should detect this and will display the license type as part of the About section of the repository's main page. So, let's finish off with a quick summary. So we started by highlighting why releasing open source code without any license is generally not a good idea or an ideal option. We explained some reasons why and also highlighted what benefits open source licenses can offer, both in terms of protecting the licensor and making it clear to the licensee how they can use your code. We then looked at the three most common types of open source software licenses. Firstly, the copyleft style of license, most widely seen in use through the GPL family of licenses. Then the more flexible permissive type of license, which includes, for instance, MIT, BSD and Apache licenses. And finally, we talked about releasing code into the public domain and how licenses such as the unlicense are available to support this. If you have non-code resources that you want to release, we highlighted the Creative Commons suite of licenses that are ideal for this. We should also highlight that these are examples of licenses that fall into different categories, but there are a huge range of other licenses out there. You may find that something different better suits your needs, particularly if you have specialist requirements. Again, talk to your organization for advice on this. And finally, we wrapped up by looking at how you can apply your chosen license to your software project. This episode was produced and narrated by Peter Schmidt. The content was prepared by Jeremy Cohen and Steve Crouch. We also like to thank the Universe HBC project for their support with this podcast series. And look out for the next episode on collaboration and code review via GitHub. Until then, goodbye.